my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to steal a moment for yourself before the week ahead. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. And it really is. <laughs> What's up? I'm Laura Carenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia, episode 16. So we've got a funny, smart guy coming in, Andrew Essex. He's going to talk to us about the end of advertising and what he's been doing over at Tribeca Enterprises for the last year or two since he's been there. But before we get into that, you had fun at the IAB podcast Upfronts. Yes. And did we get a lot of good reaction? Yeah, I think a lot of people were talking about, you know, a lot of podcast that they want to check out, Adlandia being one of them. So we're very excited. If you have friends that haven't listened to Adlandia, tell them. But I think with this year in the upfronts, different than especially last year, last year was very, very focused on um, content and the inventory, right? right? This year was really focused on measurement and data. And um, there were things, you know, folks were saying like, people, podcast listeners have said that they would be open to more podcast advertising. I love the fact that 
and I, I don't know if Panoply would hate me for saying this, but I love the fact that there's actually not a ton of inventory in podcasts. And I also love the fact that hosts are the people, um, hosts and their very well thoughtful producers, as I look at Cam, um, have the ability to agree to do host reads and have certain advertisers on their shows. Because I, at the end of the day, we are doing this because we love it. We're doing it because, A, we're a part of a community, but also we want to build a community, right, around a genre or a certain topic. And I think that putting more inventory into a podcast could be just clutter. You know, it's interesting. I totally agree with your point as usual. Um, Not as usual. But I, <laughs> no, as usual. But I think, uh, you know, controlling the context might be the wrong way of saying it, but definitely protecting the context of the show. I think totally. it's important. Um, it's interesting. I was dabbling with a couple of top 10 podcasts recently and came across one where there were about four to seven host reads and then many ad breaks in between the content, which a made the show very, very long and understanding that the show is, is a hot show and high demand. And so there is were it a many 60 minute show. Is it an hour long show? It was upwards of 45 minutes plus, okay. but I would say a, a good majority of that went the way of ads. And I just, I felt like it was too long. It was too muddied. I was like, I wanted to fast forward through the ads and audio, um, which Obviously, as a podcast host and somebody who's in the industry, I was curious to listen to them. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I just want to get back into the interview. And so I think that there's a danger in saturation. And as an industry, we need to be really careful, um, understanding that this is a very intimate medium. It's the only thing, um, might be one of the only things I'm paying attention to. And like, I don't want to feel aggravated and annoyed before I even get to the show starting. Yeah. So like, let's not create the pre-roll before the pre-roll before the pre-roll. Let's like preserve the content experience and give people what they came for. I also think like we have the opportunity and I have to say I was in meetings before, so I couldn't make it to the whole day. So I only got to the afternoon. So I don't know if people talked about this, but there's a huge opportunity, I think, in audio to in, in streaming audio or on demand audio um, to rethink how advertising is done. You know, it's been typically kind of taking the radio model and applying it with, um, I think, more success because it is something that you download and something that you select, right, to listen to very specifically. I think there's a huge opportunity to think about advertising and the personality and the talent uh, together in a way that makes more sense. And there's, you know, and I don't know how you monetize that, but we can. I feel very confident that we can. And so, you know, in a world where we're trying to standardize everything and that's what, you know, the IAB does is like create these great standards that the industry can kind of march towards and monetize and be successful, um, both from an advertiser perspective and a publisher perspective, right? Supply side, demand side. It's still a really nascent form of media at the end of the day, podcasting. And I think that right now is the time to start rethinking it. And I'm not against standards. I'm all for standards. But let's start Let's start being really freaking imaginative with creating something and then setting a standard. I think that a lot of brands are looking to figure out how they get into this space. They know now that they probably should get into the space. People were talking about, you know, and a couple of years ago, you know, 
10% of major brands said that podcasting was going to be a part of their media mix. Now it's like way more than that, right? I think people know that they should be in podcasting. I'm not sure they totally understand yet why. And I think that we have to go in and we have to educate people both on the agency side and on the brand side and let them use this as a new playground for creativity um, and work with hosts and do things like that. So, yeah, I think one of the things that um, I was following on Twitter from at Moss Appeal, who's somebody who follows us at Atlandia, said some of the themes that she saw at this year's Upfront included what she felt was a maturity in terms of like seeing the platform grow. I think it's what you're saying. Like we've moved past now the point of finding people to make content. Like there's definitely no shortage of content in the podcasting space. And we're starting to think about now how we create these prescriptive ways to measure and to advertise and all of these sorts of things. But she noticed that there was a push um, for more branded content, yeah, a direct yeah. appeal for title sponsors um, and definitely a need for case study stats. And so, you know, take it or leave it. I think that what we're getting to is it is so ripe. The time is now. Um, and people need to recognize that before we destroy a medium with seven pre-rolls in a show, what are the limitations? And, and I gotta be honest, like that doesn't necessarily just fall on the agency or the advertiser, the show creators and the producers and the publishers also need to be respectful of the audience experience and, and figuring out ways to monetize in a way where they're not losing margin. So is it not coming up with five pre-rolls to pay your your host or, you know, is it coming up with the best two minute with a brand that owns, you know, a season? There was a lot of conversation about subscription shows and um, subscription services. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that in this space. And I'm all for it. I just want someone to like package up or give me an opportunity where I can pick a bundle because I'm not listening. I love Panoply. I listen to most of Panoply shows. I don't just listen to Panoply shows. I listen to WNYC shows. I love listen to NPR shows. I let you write. And I think that many, many listeners are like that. They also, right now, because it's such a nascent industry, they don't even know, not always, they do, if they've been listeners for a while or if they've somehow been in the industry, they're not paying attention typically to the network. And I think it's a time right now where networks actually... That's a really interesting point. Yeah, they're not paying attention to the network. So the opportunity to think about subscription here in a different way as well uh, is ripe for a taking. And if a network actually ends up doing that, right, they actually strike a deal to do some kind of skinny skinny bundle. Yeah. I mean, that's ripe for I, media companies, right? I, like who's to say 100%. the New York Times or Fastco or any of these thought leader publications couldn't come to the table and actually create that sort of same offering we, or service or we, licensing content to do that. But I agree. Yes. But I think that that's going to potentially change people's associations all of a sudden with networks or at least the awareness factor of networks. And I think that's really interesting. Um, so and yeah, is it, was it a, like it does like WMIC become or Gimlet become like the title of music. Right. Totally. Right? Where like you have to subscribe. It's the only place you can get these shows. And if you're craving the talent, which let's be honest, that's what people are rallying around in this industry. It's not like flipping a channel. It's about opting in to listen to a perspective, presumably. Yeah, and why hasn't iTunes done it? Why? They're coming. I think so. With all the original content and things that they're doing, I think that they that it makes the most sense for them. So you think to they do move it. away from being the pipes to the actual No, they'll still be the pipes, talent but network. they'll be the talent network. Interesting. Uh Panoply you know, full disclosure, who produces our podcast had a great presentation on their megaphone media platform. 
um, which is really the first one in the industry that truly does as much tracking and measurement, I think, that is possible. They're right. really looking at demographics. They also put in place a whole um, new marketplace, so the Megaphone Marketplace, where people can buy audiences. Um, and that's the first time that's been done. And then they have a partnership with Nielsen. Also the first time that's been done. Also the first time that's been done. One thing I wish folks would have been talking about is, okay, awesome, then how do I start looking at that data and start applying those audiences and start applying some of the insights on subscription and what they're listening to outside of podcasting, outside of audio. I actually, for me, I am a big believer that podcasting is a gateway to a more psychographic view yeah, like, of your audience. Yeah, look what Save America has done with some of their IRL events, you know what I mean? Totally. Like it's, it's ways to maximize, go to where the listeners are, figuring out how you produce events around particular points in your show when you're seeing a high activation point or where you're seeing a low drop off and pivoting and figuring out how to backfill that content. So yeah, I think data is going to be, as a host, I'm super interested to see and get access to, you know, what people are thinking about, how they're engaging with the product and yeah, ultimately where they are, who they are. I mean, we know, you know, who some of them are small batch in, in our social following, but you know, outside of that, I think, there's much to be learned. And I would also say, like, I think there were a lot of, you know, advertisers in the audience. I just, I really, like, we've talked to some advertisers on this show, and we, like, so appreciate everyone that supports us. And I think that the advertisers on the show have written, in some cases, a lot of work that we can read and that is personal to us, and I kind of understand the brand. But I would say push that even further. Work with your talent more. Um, so I think that that's something that the you know i'd love that to see them talk about the iab and the podcast upfronts more next year about the creativity side of this so with that andrew essex and the end of advertising dun, dun, dun. we'll be right back my dad works in b2b marketing but i never really knew what that meant then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big mql man then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. So we're back in the studio with the one and only. We've like pod stalked you, <laughs> Andrew Essex. Welcome. Thank you. So Andrew is the CEO of Tribeca Enterprises and a former ad man. Do you consider yourself a former ad man or just Would a recovering a mad man? ad man? I think <laughs> you are always an ad man once you've been an ad man. Yeah, it goes deep. It goes deep. You're, you've got those jazz hands. They don't come off. <laughs> There's an emoji for that. <laughs> There's an emoji sure for is. that. Just for the ad industry. Right. So let's talk about your history because one thing that I think is really interesting and puts some of the things that you've done recently into context is you started as a journalist, yes. right? You started your career as a journalist. Where? 
Lots of places. At the New York Cooperator, where you may have read my piece on what to do when your doorman is sleeping on the job. It was shortlisted for a Pulitzer. No, that's not true. <laughs> but actually, that's where I worked. It was a shitty little trade publication. And from there, I somehow got a job at the New Yorker. That was, was like the beginning job. of the end. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You <laughs> mean the, writing about they, doorman yeah. sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> the end of doorman. The end of doorman. That's, that's they, gonna they will be, be the replaced by Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> So I want to get to your book, which is the end of advertising, yes. and not the end of doormen, <laughs> that's but that's going to be the sequel. Um, but I want to talk about your career, because I think putting the book into context of your career is really important. So sure. you went from journalism into advertising. How'd you get into advertising? Well, uh, frankly, David Jorgo was a friend of mine, and we had just talked about working together in some way. He was the global creative chairman of Publicis, and I was at a magazine that I think was shut down in a poker game. And we just thought, <laughs> there's got to be a better way. And that was really it. It was just, it was kind of a crazed ambition and timing. Yeah. Let's just start something. And he had a few other people there already, and we didn't have to reverse engineer anything. We were just built for the future, and the timing was right. And so were you a part back. of the five of Droga, Droga Five? Were well, you one of the original five? I'd like to say that's true, or it was about five principles, but that's actually a reference to <laughs> the number that his mother stitched in the clothes, because he's the fifth of five children. That's where the number oh, I never, Did you know Australian? that? Very. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. True yeah. story. I really? thought it was like the Jackson Five, like I just... That Maybe would make me Tito, drugs. right? Or was it Marlon? Yeah, no, no, no. I it's, would it's definitely want to be Tito if I were you. Jermaine. Jermaine, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Anyhow. you started Droga with David Droga, and then you were there till recently. Yeah, till right? 2013 to be exact. So 10 years, give or take. An incredible ride. When I was there, there were six people. And when I left, there were, I think, 550 people. And it's probably double since I left, which is telling sign and global global yeah yeah yeah. it was just an amazing run and incredible time in the business for a variety of obvious reasons but people who were committed to just making work that didn't suck which was a fun thing to be associated with now did you start working on the book end of advertising before you left droga no afterwards after so the agency sold 49 percent to william morris which has been well documented and i left after two years and was on what Andrew Robertson would call gardening leave and had nothing to do. So I, I know. I, I can't imagine Andrew Robertson gardening, by the way. <laughs> it's an Englishism. <laughs> it is. It is an Englishism. <laughs> yeah, Britishism. So I learned how to make compost and chauffeured my kids to camp and thought, you know, I should probably write something and wanted to write a story about the dual origin of heroin and aspirin, which is a story I'm obsessed with. But uh, yeah, I couldn't sell that as a full-on book. It's really just a cocktail party anecdote. <laughs> and the editor at a publishing house said, why don't you write about advertising? What's up with this ad blocking stuff? And I said, oh, all right. Wow. So what was the impetus of deciding to go on gardening leave? Like, did you get to a place where you had grown it to where you want to see? What makes somebody who is started something to where it's at the point that you can step away middle age honestly so i was there for a decade give or take and i was just tired so burnt out it was time to walk away the circumstances were right and i think if you get old you start thinking of your life in chapters like this is the only thing i'm ever going to do mm. and you mentioned publishing so i had been in publishing i wasted my teens and 20s trying to play music so from rock god to magazine dude to ad guy and then you start thinking do i have time for any more chapters 
Madonna could do it. Other people can do it. You can reinvent yourself. <laughs> right. I think she's done now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so then Tribeca, <laughs> Tribeca came along. Yeah. And what did that look like when the opportunity came across your desk? Well, amazing. I mean, I, it's not every day that you find yourself sitting in a room with Robert De Niro and Jane Rosenthal and talking about ways to improve what they did which was incredible. And it was also very familiar working with amazing creative people, working with brands, yeah. working with experiences, which are increasingly important to me yeah. and just felt very familiar. People always said, how do you go from magazines to advertising? But same kind of vibe, incredibly creative people, insane deadlines, the search for relevance and audience. So I just see these all at the intersection of media, marketing, entertainment, and technology. Yeah, totally. I have a question because I was thinking about this earlier. Do you guys... At Tribeca Enterprises, do you look at a specific other brand or entity as a competitor? Uh, ish. There are a lot of different players, but I don't think anyone does exactly what Tribeca Enterprises does. Can you explain? Because some people, What's including myself, Tribeca like Enterprises, I know yeah. you know the vast majority, especially around the film festival and all the things that culture points us to and saying like this is a part of what you do, but can you kind of explain sure. the breadth of it? Okay, and I'm trying not to be boring here, but it's a little complicated. So the, you mentioned the film festival. Right. That's the core. But even the phrase film festival is increasingly out of tune to a lot of people's ears. I agree. What's film? Right. So, that's a great point. So yeah. the festival is a, really more about the live element, an, an event that becomes more eventful. So film is always core, but we do VR, gaming, talks, happenings. And the fact of the matter is that this is underwritten by brands. So we have to figure out a way to help brands rethink their relationship to a live event in a world in which sponsorship is just about as sexy as traditional advertising. Yep. So how do you take a brand and, God help me, natively integrate it into an experience? And that's part of the challenge. So Tribeca Enterprises helps brands think about live experiences in a relevant way. And we also use our relationship with artists to make content with brands that doesn't feel like advertising. So our product is experience, access, and content all under one roof. And it's really hard to find anything that's like that. You can go directly to artists or talent agencies for access. You can go to other live events for experiences and you can go to other players for content, but to get all three under one, under one roof is pretty tough. No, you have a disruption, right? Yeah. Like, is it a studio? Is it a lab? Everybody's got a lab. You got to have that. You must have a lab. That's really just a place for more to B2B conversation to okay. put people on stage, CMOs next to filmmakers or showrunners. Okay. Because I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, really, Tribeca was, you know, the future of storytelling. Yeah, fast. Sure. Yeah. If I would see if a friendly competitor. Yeah. I would see FOSS as being your competitor. Of course. Right? Because they're also pushing what's the future of storytelling, which you guys were doing yeah. starting back in 2001. You have to think about the festival was, was a response to 9-11. And yeah. in those years, those 17 years have been the most tumultuous in the history of media. So Tribeca was conceived before Netflix, let alone Twitter. Yeah. And now the question is, what's the role of the mobile device at a film festival? How do you connect the second screen to the first screen? Is the first screen now the second screen? How do you create experiences that involve storytelling? So 
there was a time when you might want to go see the next Moonlight, but now you can see it on Netflix or iTunes. What's going to get you out of the house? And that's a real right. interesting existential question. So experiences become key. How do you get people to experience something simultaneously? Yep. That's a really fun thing to try to crack. Who do you think is doing that well outside of Tribeca? I think Comic-Con is interesting. Yeah. When a Game of Thrones premieres a show at Barclays Arena, that's fascinating. So you talk about a football stadium, you know, all these people on their feet screaming. How do you connect that to storytelling? Yeah, right. And technology now enables that. And I think that's the future of the live event. We Let, agree. Yeah. Uh, like Mic 100%. Drop. Mic drop. <laughs> like we talk about it all the time. Because there otherwise is no reason to leave the house. If you can get everything you want with one click of the button. Except community. I mean, well, I will say, right. right? I mean, the, the human touch, and Laura and I have been talking about this a lot lately, which is we're actually more into analog experiences, yes. right? right? It's the return of analog. That's, it is the return of analog. Sequel. The so and by the way, that is the sequel. I want, yes. I'm holding up the book right now. Yeah. Like, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I want to just draw a parallel because something that you just said a little while ago is really interesting to me and in that, you know, why people love to see executives in the ad industry or why executives in the ad industry love to sit on stage next to filmmakers yeah, or sure. Hollywood types. And because at the end of the day, we're going down this parallel road where we're in the entertainment business in some way, shape or form. We have to tell stories. We have to make people fall in love with our brands. We have to make them feel emotion and elicit reaction That's right. to some degree. And do something. Right. But presumably technology and community are bringing these things closer together. And now you're seeing people like William Morris take a 49% stake in Droga. You're starting to see CAA become a partner at the table in the mix of agencies, not because you want somebody to do an endorsement deal, because the way in which they're thinking about production and storylines, you're seeing newsrooms like T-Brand and your friend Meredith's group over the New York Times have a table in the publishing world, but also a foot in the door in production. Why do you think this is happening where worlds that were completely separate and had nothing to do with one another are now coming to this place where they're actually one and the same? That's a very big question. Robert Kinsel, I was mentioning the chief business officer of YouTube, has a new book called Steampunks. And he talks about how YouTube essentially got rid of the gatekeepers and democratized content. So we were told for years and years what worked by five or six white guys. Mm. And now... A quilting person in Kentucky can generate a massive audience. So I think this fragmentation has produced a kind of new authenticity where anything that's good finds an audience and anything goes. There are downsides of this too, but I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid all the cliches that you know better than anyone, but all the old rules are completely broken. Yeah, totally. So when you were writing this book, where did you intend to start and did that differ from where you ended? Completely. Because just to, to say it again, I sincerely was obsessed with this origin story. I like unintended consequences. How do things happen? And there's a section of the book that I'm very proud of, which was based on some research about the origin of two of the most bizarre products that are actually brother and brother siblings. In 1898, Bayer, the German pharmaceutical company, launched this thing called aspirin. But the same three dudes, all in their 30s, invented heroin. It was a real product. This is not bullshit. And it was on the shelves for about eight years. And I just thought that's an amazing story because one of them is benign and one of them is evil, but they were both launched as medicine to make you feel better. So it made me think, what is authentic 
what's artifice. It seemed like a fantastic metaphor for the entire industry. Yeah. And that's what I started to do. And then I sort of built the rest of the book around that. I love that. I think that uh, the end of advertising probably got a lot of people kind of riled up. Riled up. Did you? Have you, you said you got any? death threats. Yeah, I was, I was just <laughs> one or two. You know, some bomb in my mailbox. No, I think. Look, the the real title is the end of bad advertising or traditional right. advertising. It's just yeah. less clickable, right? Right. So you have to have a little hyperbole. You asked me if I'm still an ad man, so that's the sell <laughs> side. But we all know that that um, the paradigm is shifting. Yeah. So. At Tribeca right yes. now, what are the things that you're doing with brands that you're really excited about that you can tell us about? Or you can break it here. Yeah. Maybe you're doing breaking something. News? Breaking sure. news? We just did a fantastic project for Heineken, which is essentially a film about Plus Pool, which is that water filtering pool, pool in the East River. Yeah. So this is a brand that's increasingly allergic to interruption. They want to talk about cool stuff they're doing when they don't want the beer featured. They want the story told, presented by the beer. So- Really, at a high level, what we're doing is trying to bring brands back to GE Theater. Yeah. Which is, again... What we created. Yes, exactly. Yes. See? <laughs> Peace. We, we, we did a great initiative with AT&T called Untold Stories. They wanted to see more diversity in storytelling. We found 100 scripts by people of color, narrowed it down to 10. 10 people pitched. They picked a winner, gave the winner a million dollars to make a film that will premiere at Tribeca in 2018 and then be broadcast on DirecTV. So they got a flywheel effect. I think mm. that's very cool. Just uh, working with IBM to crowdsource creativity with mm. Watson. Mm -hmm. Anytime that we can invert the traditional sponsorship model and help brands make content, we win. So yeah. is it fair to say you're an agency that also has a distribution pipe? Well, you know what's funny is that <laughs> my dear friend Meredith and my dear friend Justin have used the A word. You begin with the <laughs> S words, so you're a studio, and you don't necessarily want to use the A word. So we have a studio that helps brands make authentic content. Agency implies advertising. So our code is we do nine seconds to 90 minutes, but never 30 seconds. Oh, I nice. like that. Is I that like your tagline? It's on my tattooed on my left Somewhere. inner thigh. <laughs> I'm glad I don't see it. <laughs> so, but, but presumably you're able to own then the distribution of that content you're creating or at least provide a platform, which is what Sebastian Tomich has told us post Meredith Levian's interview here in a big article that he um, was featured in talking yeah. about at the end of the day, like all signs for T-Brand presumably point to becoming an independent shop. Yes. I think Meredith is brilliant. I think T-Brand is brilliant because they have audience, they have editorial pedigree, and now they can leverage that by telling stories for brands that are in keeping with the tradition of the times. We are not a media company. We are an event. So we have a platform where we can premiere our content, but we can be unapologetically agnostic about distribution and partner with anyone who has the audience the brand is trying to reach. So I am everybody's best partner, as they used to say in the mafia. If you want to reach... <laughs> You're in good company. Only, <laughs> only for Jersey. <laughs> there you go. If you want to reach audience X, we partner with X. If you want to reach audience Y, we partner with audience Y. You could become a media company. Well, I think um, the best advice I ever got is only do what only you can do. So... Let me give you an example. At the 2017 Tribeca Film Festival, we closed with The Godfather 1 and 2 at Radio City. Now, you could arguably see that on Netflix or at Film Forum. What you could not see anywhere else was the entire cast on stage. De Niro, Pacino, Francis Ford Coppola, Duval, James Caan, all there, Diane Keaton. And then to take that live conversation and stream it on Facebook Live was a game changer. 
Because from 150,000 attendees to 4.5 million viewers. In the streaming aspect. Exactly. Mean, right? So we achieve the digital dream. I mean, is there a platform that everybody's talking about Facebook, everybody talks about Facebook, but is there a platform that you are most interested in seeing do something different than it's doing right Direct now? Direct TV now? Mm. Uh, Reddit? I think Reddit oh, is going to be interesting. God. When Reddit pivots to video, the inevitable pivot to They're video. They're pivoting into other things that are genius. Yes. So uh, I think you're going to see them finally sort of um, live up to the potential of the massive audience they've already aggregated. I think those are two very interesting stories. I love what you guys are doing. It um, Panoply, just this idea of building a network around this magnificent theater of the mind medium. Yes, that's exactly how we started. In fact, someone asked us, why didn't you start doing videos? And we're like, no, 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 no. That's, That's, this is what we do, and we do it well. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for And that. this doesn't mean we're not going to go into video, but having this, these types of conversations, I think, allows people to really dream and think. When we did G Podcast Theater, that was, the, that was it. That yeah. it, was, it wasn't about when everyone was doing video. We're like, no, we're going to go into the I also space. haven't been able yeah. to keep up with my spray tan, so that's really another part of the reason. <laughs> that, you're laughing, but that's actually true. <laughs> that's the next episode. That's when you pivot to video. That's when you pivot to video, exactly. So as you think, like, you know, the idea that you're, you're talking a lot about community and IRL. We had a, a fabulous episode um, early days in Atlantia, which is like a couple months ago um, with our buddy David Plotz over at Atlas Obscura Mm -hmm. and kind of tapping into this notion of what you were talking about, cults and communities and this idea that analog presents an opportunity for us to engage with one another. And if there's not tech attached to that, what is the reason then for people to step outside of their living rooms? What brands do you think have really embraced that? Um, And what are the ones where you're like, why aren't you doing this? Yeah, where's the opportunity? I think complex complex con is a great example of that. Oh, I love. She loves Mark Echo. Like Th- those guys, uh, hugely underestimated and disrespected. But building, taking a media company and then making an event around a genuinely enthused audience. Yeah. But IRL is such an important thing. You just said this idea that you take something, you create this concentrated moment of excitement. You basically productize FOMO, and then you use new platforms to achieve scale. Yes. That's that, ladies well, and gentlemen, scale, is the future think, of advertising. It's achieved scale, but it's also places where you can have meaningful interaction, right? Yeah. So platforms that I think have opportunity to think about how they're going to interact off device, off screen right now, stand to actually kill it. I totally agree. Right. What would you tell people who are young in the industry now? Take over. <sighs> we agree. Seriously. <laughs> As the old guy who was once young, I know that feeling of staring at the person saying, get out of the way, grandpa. And you have to understand that this is a young person's industry and um, we do not put enough people in positions of power, particularly in the agency business, but they have to have the confidence and and the courage of their convictions. If there were more people who were fluent in vertical video at certain shops, they would be in better position. They'd be fighting back. People who understand how to make something with the sound off because that's what the audience wants. So it's just go push someone out of the chair. Hmm. Respectfully, please. Right. Respectfully. <laughs> Don't break a hip. Right. Yeah, I love it. And on that note. On that note, it's time. Kill by DIY. With Andrew Essex. All right. So let's what put- would you kill? 
I, I, I would kill the extended pod that happens when I'm on the treadmill. So I, the only time I watch appointment television is six or seven o'clock in the morning where I walk like a fucking gerbil on a, on a wheel <laughs> and I watch cable news. And there's one show that I like, uh, okay, Morning Joe, so I'm not going to name names, but I, I guess I like Donald Trump. I just contradicted myself. And they have 20 minutes of uninterrupted, really cool stuff. And then there's a horror of endless, completely erroneous ads. We should have <laughs> you meet with Mika and Joe and talk about this. Um, uh, just tell yeah. me where to show up. And I just want to record like what happens. But they don't probably even know because they're not watching it. They're in the studio uh, thinking, hey, think people they, are happy. I think they probably know. They're pretty into They are now okay. running a contest where you can actually win an opportunity to sit in the studio. So maybe you can actually then get behind the production camera and refuse to go to commercial time. Okay. Which makes me think about something else to kill. Sorry, I know you probably have run out of time, but the fact that no. people can buy an ad-free experience and others can't because it's too expensive, that's going to create problems. Then what do you think about subscription services? I love subscription services, but I don't like the fact that some people can't and they're penalized with bad ads. With bad ads. So you're creating another kind of divide. Linda, Linda Boff said the same exact thing. I mean, yeah. We totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. She went like rogue and listened to the free version and was like, fuck this. this is, oh, you mean it's better or it's expensive? That it was an oh, awful oh, oh, ad I'm experience sorry. and went back to paid paying. Version. Yeah. Who would not choose the paid version? But some people can't afford it. I yeah. But what happens point. when everything starts turning into a subscription service? Everything is turning into a subscription service. Then we have service. a Darwinian shakeout like at the newsstand, right? Yep. Yeah. Totally. But I mean, a that's, correction. A, that's a big deal. A correction. That's terrifying. Yeah. Right. Wow. All right. Kill. Two things. You got two. Wait, didn't we just kill something? No, you just killed two things. You're killing <laughs> all over. Mika's You're slaughtering. Joe Amica's ad buys. What, else, what yeah. else do I have to do? What would you buy? I would buy Into the Gloss. So why would you buy them? I just like a media businesses built around verticals from the ground up, as opposed to reverse engineering for an entirely new world they don't understand. But why Into the Gloss? Because you could say that with a lot of... Okay, because that category has some of the least imaginative... Advertising. Yes, I totally. With all due respect to Penelope Cruz, wonderful, but just actress plus lip gloss is not an idea. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, what would you do yourself? I would create a, um, a body waxing studio that didn't hurt. <laughs> that we know way too much about Andrew Essex right now. Inner thighs, body waxing. <laughs> I love it. Into the gloss. You're a man with many, many faces, I think. And talents, and I'm talents. starting to think. So, Andrew Essex, the end of advertising, CEO of Tribeca Enterprises. Thank Where, you for coming on the show. Where can people reach you? Yeah. At Andrew Essex. On everything? Yeah. Okay. Or Twitter's probably the best. Okay. Thank you want to give up numbers or <laughs> your waxing place? Well, that's, that's confidential. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Essex. This has been such an amazing conversation. Why don't you come back? I need you to come back. Anytime. Yeah. Thank right. you so much for having me. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thank you. Well, folks, we saw the end of advertising, and now we're seeing the end of Adlandia. Just this episode. Don't worry. Big thanks to Cameron Drews, our producer. As always, our family and friends at Panoply, including Matt Turk and Andy Bowers. Don't forget to like us, follow us, comment on social at Atlandia Podcast. Thanks, everyone in Atlandia. We'll see you in two weeks.
Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.